Hello, 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 and welcome to week 17 of the 52-week film project. I am joined by my lovely co-host, Will. Will, how are you doing this evening? Yes, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Are you, are you ready for another fun-filled evening of recording? Yes. Well, J- Jake uh, messaged me previously and said we should have margaritas while recording. However... Um... No, 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 no. Lie, lie. <laughs> I said we should have... We should have... We should have martinis. Ah, yes, you're right. So much, so much of the film of the episode that we are reviewing, A Simple Favour, revolved around a good martini and how to make one. Um, So I came out of the cinema thinking, if that's one of the only positives I'm going to take from this film, spoiler alert, um, (laughs) then we should actually kind of dress up for this podcast, sit down and make one. And I got home all excited thinking, all you fucking need for a martini is like some lemon, some vodka or some gin. Um, But you also need vermouth. And who the fuck stocks vermouth in their house? Yeah, it's, it's an odd me. item to have in the house just lying around, isn't it? I've got trusty water. Because in that in the simple favour, they just put oh, too fuck, much classic, gin in it. Classic, mate. <laughs> <laughs> they just put too much gin in the martini glass. I was just like, that's just... It seems, it is, a, bit, um, seems a bit unappetising. Un- yeah, it is a bit gross. I refuse to believe that that's actually how much gin Blake Lively drinks per glass. Um, but hey, that's just good method acting, isn't it, mate? <laughs> Um, but before we get on to that review, uh, we are back with our new segment. The um, news! Obviously, we haven't gone out of it. Very, thank you very much, Will. Thank you very much. Um, now, we actually, you know, we recorded the episode that came out yesterday, yesterday. So um, it's kind of been a bit of a scramble to find what other news articles have come out in the last few days that we didn't talk about yesterday. We had a very long news segment yesterday, so we're going to kind of keep this short and punchy, uh, just some of the main headlines of things coming out. And uh, also I've got kind of like a, a quick deep dive. There's no such thing as a quick deep a dive. A quick deep but, dive. Uh, yeah, a quick deep dive into another DC film that we haven't really discussed on this podcast. Oh, very exciting. But uh, Will, what's your, what's your first bit of news for the week? First bit of news is that um, Disney next year are bringing out their streaming service. Um, they've started just building up this massive conglomerate, which is they've got ESPN plus one, and it's now got a million paid subscribers. To put that into perspective, Fucking hell. It, H, that, it, in a year they did that, HBO took... 10 months to reach 800,000 and that's HBO on their own subscriber platform so Disney's branding and through ESPN is doing really well next year they're bringing out their own Disney service and they are planning to start a Loki and Scarlet Witch TV series uh, is that going to be one of the first Disney streaming series then? Yes. Well, they said they've got 7,000 episodes of TV and about 500 movies on this service um, with all, all of the R-rated stuff going on to Hulu. But um, it looks like the budgets, budgets for this um, Loki and Scarlet Witch TV show are very hefty. They're not like Daredevil, which is sort of lower budget but more gritty. They're sort of more... I think it's more in the line of Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, that kind of time. It's, fu- it's it. funny that you say that because, like, have you looked at the budgets of those series? Because I would argue that Daredevil probably has a higher budget than Agents of Shield. Really? I've always looked at, like, maybe call me a hypocrite because I haven't watched it, but I've always looked at Agents of Shield and thought that is proper classic daytime superhero television that doesn't really have many special effects and doesn't have a very big budget. Whereas I think Daredevil has, they've spent a lot of money on that. Netflix has spent a ton on that. Maybe I think I think I was very impressed with the in Agents of Shield how realistic and normal and n- normal the CGI looked compared to um, compared to what what the Flash and the Arrows CGI does. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. The Flash and, and the Arrows CGI be- is terrible. Yeah, hopefully it's a bit better than Black Lightning as well. Yes, indeed. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that's, that's coming out. It's very exciting. Yeah, that's cool. You kind of you you said it very quickly though. You said that uh, Disney plans to put their r-rated content on hulu yes now you, you kind of you hurried through that kind of in the way i feel like it sounds as if disney's kind of sweeping that under the rug a bit do you think that um because obviously disney's been pulling a lot of marvel content from other streaming sites like netflix etc do you think that disney's not going to care as much about the higher rated superhero content that they have in their roster do you think it's going to kind of be seen as an afterthought in coming years? Um, I don't know. Um, I think I, I, it's hard. Are you talking about R-rated films that um, of the superhero caliber that they've created, or are you talking I'm, about? I, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm talking about like if they're going to fund a Scarlet Witch TV show, right? Are they also going to consider funding a uh, like I don't know a dark. Um, a dark superhero series, maybe like Daredevil, that might be like a 15, or The Punisher that's an 18. 
or do you think they're not going to drive that way as much? Um, well, it looks like what I've just looked at is that who they own Disney own thirty percent of Hulu already, which will have all their R rated sort of indie content. And if twenty um, first century Fox um, closes down their their partnership with Hulu, they also own an additional thirty percent by, um, which would then mean that. Um, Disney can then push Hulu as a as for their rated R indie stuff. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if that's already starting to happen. I'm not really familiar mm. with Hulu that much. I only really know Hulu for these adverts about keeping up the Kardashians. I don't know about you. Um, mm. Yeah, Hulu's not very big in the UK. No. Um, no, interesting. Very interesting. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, on a side note of kind of new superhero TV shows, um, fucking hell, all we do is talk about superhero TV <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm literally, I'm looking at my news articles and two of them are kind of superhero-esque things. Um, but the new Titans TV series is coming out um, on October 12th. I had no idea about this and I saw a trailer the other day. It looks fucking violent, man. Yes. Like, it does. The whole Nightwing Robin character, like, there's a bit in the trailer where he, like, shoots four people and then stamps on someone's head and it breaks his neck. Like, it looks, like, beyond how dark Gotham was. And I'm very excited about that. I had no idea about this coming out. Well, the team... What are your thoughts? Because I know you care about the Titans more than me. Oh, well, the... the, the... The Teen Titans, or the or the Titans um, as it's made for the film, um, they are the first comics I ever bought. I have a collection of old comic books from the from starting from nineteen sixty nine going to like currently, and the, I have most Teen Titans comic books. And the writing in the nineteen eighties Teen Titans things is, I think, what the inspiration for this TV series is. It's very dark. Okay. Like Speedy, Speedy get Speedy has a heroin overdose. They deal with betrayals in the team. Um, they deal with people like a lot of the Teen Titans die. So if it's in the same vein, and fingers crossed it is, I'm we very excited. I did look at the trailer and think it looks a bit low production, I, and I worried about that. That was my only I, thing. I, I... I think that about all superhero TV shows like Flash, Arrow, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., this new Titans thing, Gotham's, I, I always think they look a bit um, crime drama or they look a bit, I don't know what it is, but none of them yet have had like a true gritty aesthetic for me. Yeah. They've all they've all looked a little bit sitcom TV showy. And, I, I, and, and no matter how dark they make the storylines or how cool they make the action sequences, they always seem to have like a bit of a sheen on them. They seem to look a little bit fake to me. And it always detracts from me. Like I'm yet to find one that I truly think like it looks as good as it should do. Yeah. Well, let's hope um, that Titans bucks that trend. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll or see. the Loki Scarlet um, Twitch TV show. Yeah, well, Loki's coming back. That's another it, thing. Is, is Tom Hiddleston confirmed to do that, or is it going to be taking the characters with different actors? Uh, I don't know if Tom Hiddleston's confirmed to do that. I don't think he. I don't think he is. I think they've just said that it's the. They've just planned that a Loki TV show is coming out. Tom Hiddleston hasn't confirmed or denied that he's going to be in the part. Um, cool. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, um, first bit of news for me. We were talking on the last episode about Carrie Fukunaga, who's been. Um, unveiled as the new director of Bond 25 um, the reason I bring him up is because he's just done Maniac season 1 which we really need to watch mm. um, but he's kind of come out today because it's been a really popular series and he, he made a statement today that I found interesting because in the last episode me and you were talking about how we were wondering whether maybe he's young enough to take this Bond film and then also the first entry of the new Bond in the next movie um, he's made a very clear point in a interview about Maniac season two today because it is going to be picked up for a second season, um, and he said that he literally just wants to do one season and leave uh, because he's very much like a, he likes to tell his story and then let other people come in and tell theirs, which kind of and it also said because of like scheduling conflicts, it's not looking as if he'd even be able to do Maniac season two, which is probably Bond twenty five, mm. um, but you know. That probably solves that then. I reckon it's probably quite likely that the new Bond will come with a new lead actor and a new director. That'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. I think, yeah, it, it, sound, it sounds like... Well, we were discussing this yesterday that they probably... That the, even Bond 25's team will probably want to have a new director because of a new Bond. But yeah, that is, it's, do you think it's nice that he's a purist about that stuff? Or would you love to see him come back from Maniac Season 2? 
I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched Maniac yet. He <laughs> no, did no. it. I, I mean, I mean, it, it it might be testament to how. I mean, what did we say the other things he'd done were True Detective season one, which is the best season of True Detective. Yeah. Season two was a bit of a flop. Um, and what was the other thing? Beasts that he did of No Nation. Beasts of No Nation, right? That's a standalone film. He didn't do another one. Um, so maybe that is the secret to his success. He doesn't stick around long enough to be um, damaging what he's done before. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, what's your next bit of news, mate? Um, so, Adam McKay, who is um, a film director in charge of Step Brothers, Anchorman, and Reese... Now, is he the guy, so just to cut you off, because I've heard this guy's name a lot, Adam McKay, is he the guy who is, like plays the character in Parks and Rec? Is he that really funny comedic actor, or have I just got it completely wrong? No, I don't think he is. I don't think he is, No. Um, he's a, he's a head. He was the head writer of Saturday Night Live, and I'm looking. Oh no, to... no, I take it back. No, yeah, it's definitely no, not. No, this no, guy's no, like no, Fifty no. years old. He looks so weird. No, 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 not at all. Um, so yeah, it's Adam McKay. He also d- recently directed um, away from comedy, The Big Short, um, and so he's now doing a. He's recently he's announced that he's doing a Dick Cheney film. Uh, Dick Cheney was the vice president when George W. Bush was in power. Yeah. Um, and uh, the film has just been titled, and it's going to be called Vice, as in vice president. Um, yeah. I, I, so that's the new bit of news, but I thought I'd just talk a bit about what the film's going to have. Um, Christian Bale is in its title role, and he is carrying a bit of extra weight. He's doing he's doing his oh, transformation did... again. <laughs> Christian Bale loves a good weight, Jane. I know, doesn't he? <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, so, so the film ch- charts Cheney's rise to power. Um and so this is the cast. You've got Amy Adams as Cheney's wife, Lynn. Steve Carell as Donald Rumpsfled, uh, who's the Secretary of Defence, um, who also got a lot of power due to sort of the Iraq um, war. Uh, Bill Pullman as Nelson Rockefeller. He is kind of serves as um, Cheney's mentor. Um, and then Sam Rockwell as George W. Bush. And Alison Pill, who is in Scott Pilgrim, um, Saves the yeah, World, yeah, yeah, um, as Mary Ch- Cheney. Um, so I don't know. Okay. I don't know how long the film's going to be. It might be um, around about the time of the Halloween massacre, which was um, when um, the cabinet changed. Ford changed Nixon's cabinet, um, and that was when Cheney first rise to, rose to power, as well as Nelson Rockefeller. I don't know if it's starting from the two thousands directly in the Iraq War. It'd be an interesting film to watch. Um, that story, yeah, it, it should yeah. be good. Very yeah, exciting. It, be, it sounds like a great cast. I just, I, I'm not an Amy Adams fan, though. I will say that. And there's actually, um, there's a great, I've been storming through Bojack Horseman season five and there was a great joke in an episode I was watching last night which said, um, there's like a bit where there's like a talent agent in the show and she's on the phone talking about a new job and she says something like, uh, oh, if Amy Adams doesn't want it, then give it to Jessica Chastain. <laughs> and, then, and, and then later on in the show, they say, so later on in the same episode, they say something like, oh, um... Bryce Dallas Harper might want that. She's the one who does all the jobs that Jessica Chastain doesn't want. It's just really, oh my god, they are they are all the same fucking actor. They are interchangeable. Great. My next bit of news is: Did you see there was a trailer for the Bumblebee film today? I did. Yes, I didn't watch it, but I did yeah, see it. Yeah. So the so the spin-off uh, Transformers film about the origin of Bumblebee set in the 1980s. Um, Bumblebee coming down to Earth uh, on Optimus Prime's command to help save Earth from the uh, big old fight in Cybertron. Um, now, I did some digging around it because it actually looked quite good. The trailer, the trailer is pretty good. Jake's done um, some digging. The, yeah, it had the, it had the. I, I, I did a, sh- I did a small deep dive, <laughs> um, a brief deep dive. I, um, I found that John Cena is playing one of the villains. Which is great. Like he's playing like a, a dickhead army official that obviously hates Transformers. Um, Fred Armisen is also in there, the guy from Portlandia, alongside him as a villain, which is really cool. Interesting. Um, it's harked back in character design to like the old Transformers body types, which is awesome because the, you've got like a bunch of Transformers in this trailer. Uh, notably, you've got Shockwave and Starscream are in quite a lot of the trailer. And Starscream was my favourite Transformer. I thought that Transformer, that sorry Decepticon, was just fucking brilliant, mate. Like I thought it was so cool, and the way they've done the design, it looks looks awesome. Um, but the most interesting thing is the director, um, whose name I don't have here. Uh, recently directed that that animated film Kubo and the Two Strings. Now that's that's that animated film that's kind of it looks like stop motion 
Um, you'd recognize, like it looks very distinctive. You'd, you'd know what I'm talking about if you saw a picture of it. Um, but it won loads of awards, like loads and loads of awards, um, which kind of stands this film in good stead. Mm. Hopefully, it kind of cuts out a lot of the junk that kind of weighed the previous Michael Bay Transformers films down and kind of makes it a bit more character driven. The whole trailer just screams fun, but not like blow everything up tons of violence fun it looks like kind of nostalgic retro slick heart yep fun it looks it looks kind of like if they had the the sci-fi budget and the special effects if you were making a transformers film in the 90s that's what i kind of like about it it's it's, it looks kind of like um it looks retro and i like that yeah, but while retaining all of the modern day special effects. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying it doesn't it doesn't look up to scratch. It looks great. So yeah, no, should be good. Should be good. Uh, yes. So my last bit of news. Um, so um, a couple of years ago, M Night Shyamalan um, did Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, and it was described. I found a Rotten Tomatoes um, most savage quote for it. Um, this is the live action. This is the live action. This uh, is the film live action based, based on the cartoon action. series, right? Indeed, yes. Um, and John Walsh from the Independence said at the time, "It is a breathtakingly clueless, misconceived, stupid, humourless, unexciting, dim, dumb Farago, the worst film I've seen in years." Um, it didn't go down that well. I think it's got Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a six percent rating. Did um, you watch it? No, I watched the I, ori- I watched it. the animated series. Um, yeah, I, which is pretty good. I watched it as a kid. Yeah, yeah it's great. Well, I, it's interesting seeing the animated series on Rotten Tomatoes versus the film. The animated series got 100% and then 93% audience and the and it's 6% for the actual live action version. However, Netflix has ordered a new live action avatar um, in an episode format and it's directed by Michael DiMartino and Brian Konetsko, um, who were the actual original creators of the Toon version. So this is a live action version of Avatar created by the people who did the Toon version of Avatar. Okay. Um, so, so is, in, in terms of story character development, it's in the safest possible hands. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I think, and they've said a couple of words about it. They've said that we can't wait to realise Aang's world as cinematically as we've always imagined it to be, and with a culturally appropriate, non-whitewashed cast. It's a once-in-a-lifetime chance to build upon everyone's great work on the original animated series and go even deeper into the characters, story, action and world-building. Netflix is wholly dedicated to manifesting our vision for this retelling, and we're incredibly grateful to be partnering with them. So it sounds like it's a big, solid um, reboot of, of the Toon version of it. I'm very excited. I think I think... What I really liked about it was not just the individual story, but the fact that there was episode and episode and episode, and they used to fight, focus on the fire elements and the wind episodes for every episode. Yeah. And I really, I, I found it was just a fun TV show. Hopefully, Netflix does it justice. Yeah, I think it's in safe hands by the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, my last bit of news um, is kind of just you know the deep dive that I was talking about, the brief deep dive. Deep dive. Um, we we've spent so much time, just like everyone, to be fair, we've spent so much time giving updates on this Joker film, the Todd Phillips Joker film. And we've had some really exciting news in the last couple of weeks. We've seen some pictures. It's all kind of coming together. Um, Meanwhile, no one's really talking in any major detail about the upcoming Batman film. Mm. So the upcoming Batman film, The Batman, uh, is being directed by Matt Reeves, who is known for the recent Planet of the Apes films um, and their overly long titles. (laughs) <laughs> um, and and Cloverfield. Um, now, no one's cast, uh, but I thought we could just kind of go through some of the facts that are pieced together because no one's really done a proper article explaining where we're at with it. But from bits and bobs, I found that the first draft of the script has just been given in a few days ago. Um, apparently, it's going to be a very point-of-view, noir-driven, definitive Batman story where the Cape Crusader is investigating a case that takes him deep into the heart of Gotham. Ooh. Um, Reeves said he kind of dove all the way back into his favourite comic book arcs to inform the journey that his film was taking um, he also confirmed that not only is the Batman not an origin story or a continuation of the Christopher Nolan saga it's also not based on any specific comic and now a lot of people were thinking that it was going to be based on the the, the year one comic yeah. book arc um, which has kind of the rumours have kind of been squashed on that front. Um, now, in terms of who's playing the Cape Crusader, 
Um, you know, obviously the mantle is currently Ben Affleck's. Um, it hasn't been confirmed that Ben Affleck's returning for this film, and obviously we know that Ben Affleck's currently in rehab. He's had a bit of a tough go of it. He also isn't a very well critically received depiction of the bat. Um, however, he it gets a bit murky when you try and look this up, but he's some kind of shareholder or stakeholder, or he's got some kind of contract that ties him to this film, which means that whether he's the Batman or not, he's going to have significant influence, um, which isn't great, really. Um, I don't really have a lot of faith in him to create a good story or to depict Batman in a good way. Um, so if whether he's executive producer or lead actor, it's a bit of a shame. Um, but people have been kind of thinking about who might play Batman if he steps down from it. Um, there's been a few interesting ideas, like Kit Harrington's been thrown around, but no. like, oh, he, he's way too weedy. He's not. He's just not good enough. Um, if they were going to do a Batman art that had Nightwing involved, he could probably play quite a good Nightwing, um, but not the not the titular character. Um, Oscar Isaac has been thrown around, um, which okay. is is interesting. Um, I think he's good. I like him as an actor. I think he's. I think he's entertaining. I think he's got a good emotional range. Um, that's a possibility. Nice. Uh, but the but the main possibility and the one that's kind of getting everyone talking, and this is the only thing that's really being discussed at the moment about this film, is there's a large following of people that want John Hamm to become Batman. Now, John Hamm is of Mad Men fame. He's of um, Black Mirror fame. He's done bunch of different weird things he was in baby driver he was in baby he was great in baby driver he's also um in the upcoming film bad times at the el royale so exciting uh, he's he's he yeah he he's he's b-list a-list hollywood actor now he's kind of he's popular people like him and he's he's good i i think he's very good at what he does and he's got that very bruce wayne feel about him don draper in Mad men is very bruce wayne-esque or could be um, if kind of driven the right way. Um, he's garnering a lot of support, um, especially from other directors, like Kevin Smith has come out and been saying things on Twitter, like, I've been saying it for years, even back when Nolan was casting, like, John Hamm could and should have been Batman, all this kind of shit. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's progressing. Um, I think that it's going to be pushed back a little bit by all the other DC projects. Um hopefully they'll just get the casting right I think that's the only thing they can do with this film is just get the casting right if they don't get that right the film's going to fall apart definitely definitely um, have you heard about that um, so um, when I was um, trying to look at Batman and Robin um, after it flopped so bad Joel Schumacher was like right I'm going to do a retelling of year one this why this is why in reference to what you said about year one um, and they said no and then they almost got Darren Aronofsky to do it um, yeah, yeah, who's yeah, the yeah. guy who did Mother and etc. Black, Black Swan, right? Black Swan, Mother. Uh, what else does he do? That's very, very famous and exciting. Um, oh, Neon the wrestler. Demon. What the, the, rest, the wrestler? The wrestler. Yeah, yeah, the one with Mickey yeah. Rourke. Yes. That's a great yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's such a so great I just, film. I just uh, that'll be a great film. But no, this is this looks sounds exciting. I think John Hamm would be great. I also think, and don't judge me. I think Daniel Craig would be good. <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit past yeah. it. Not for not for a young Batman. I just don't see someone being able to go from doing something like Bond to yeah. I mean, who who else? Like, if you were casting Batman, who would you think instantly? Like, that's the guy. John like, Ham. John just, Ham probably. <laughs> I can't really think at the moment. I think all the obvious ones have probably been taken. Um, and is there an obvious one actually? Because I don't, wouldn't have said Christian Bale was an obvious Batman. You know who could be who could be a reasonable casting. Um, what's the name of the dude that's been doing the bodyguard? And was I was going to say Richard Madden. Richard Madden, he wouldn't be half bad, or he'd be really good at like a really sullen Robin. Like if they if they decided to tell the Killing Joke story arc from the comics where Robin dies, he'd be a really good kind of acting out dickhead Robin who kind of like is struggling with his own reality. Yeah, that would be a great performance. Yeah. but alas anyway let's move on we are reviewing a simple favour which is Paul Feig's new film Paul Feig is the director of such classics I mean take that with a pinch of salt such classics as Bridesmaids uh, Spy 
Um, what else has he done, Will? Has he done anything else that I'm, I'm forgetting that was really good? Um, he um, has done... Well, he, he's... Bridesmaids, he's done Ghostbusters. That was the recent... Oh, he did. did the Ghostbusters remake. And yeah, he's done right, a lot like, of episodes of, like, The Office, Parks and Rec, Arrested Development. Like, he's... Yeah. He, he started as, like, a TV director who did comedies, I think, and then moved into film directing um, in, with Bridesmaids and etc. Nonetheless, whether he's your cup of tea or not, he's established himself as quite a funny guy, quite a talented director. Out, out of the films we've just discussed, the only one that I really genuinely enjoyed was Spy with Melissa McCarthy. I thought that was surprisingly hilarious. I think that's a really, really funny film. And I think he did a great job to take some actors like her and Kristen Wiig that I really don't like um, and give them quite a good direction um, and actually make them funny. Because I've seen those actresses in other films from other directors um and they just haven't been very good mm. um most recent example of this critically seems to be melissa mccarthy doing the happy time murders which is the kind of sesame street gone bad r-rated movie which was in kind of production hell for about 16 years and they they seem to have made a complete mess of it I mean, the the concept of doing like a Who Killed Roger Rabbit film where like people are murdering Muppets and you've got like a live action cast that are also trying to find out as well. Like, I feel like in the right hands, that could have been one of the most enjoyable films of the year. Yeah, they could have knocked out the park. It it just did shit. It did so bad. Um, So, yeah, no, Paul Feig and his new film, A Simple Favour. In the trailer, it says this is from the darker side of Paul Feig's mind. Um, which kind of was quite enticing. I think that's quite interesting. And the trailers, they don't give a ton away. They are, you, you know, that Blake Lively is playing this kind of beautiful enigma of a woman, and you don't really know where you stand with her. And she, essentially, we're going to keep this spoiler free for anyone that does want to go and see it because it has only just come out. But um, you know, the plot basically revolves around how a widowed single mum. Um, I can't remember her name, but it's played by Anna Kendrick. Stephanie Smothers. Stephanie Smothers. Um, She befriends Emily, who is played by Blake Lively. Um, And they they form this kind of semi-friendship. It's quite a strange... They've got a very... Emily's got a very cutting sense of humour. It's very, very blunt, very dominant, very kind of intimidating as a personality and you kind of it starts with them kind of having their their kids have a play date and they kind of they get into this rhythm of having these martinis together in Emily's beautiful home and she's got a very attractive husband who's a successful author um and it's all quite interesting at the start I think you can agree Will it's kind of funny and kind of intimidating and like you've got a lot of suspicions at the beginning um for me, though, it gets very, very convoluted very, very quickly, but not so much in terms of the twists and turns of which there are a plenty in the plot. More so tonally, I was really struggling with this film in the cinema to understand what bits I was supposed to find funny, what bits I was supposed to find sincere, and what bits I was supposed to find sarcastic. And it got to a point where I I really felt like I wasn't in rhythm with this film because I wasn't finding the bits that are meant to be funny, funny. I wasn't finding the bits that were meant to be really dark, particularly dark. And the sarcastic bits, I couldn't tell whether I was meant to laugh or wince. Yeah, I agree with that. It was, it For me, it felt like you're right about the tonal shifts all over the place. I think the first 10 to 15 minutes of the film was really good. I really liked yeah, the camaraderie. I like... Um, I like I don't I've never really been a fan of Anna Kendrick but I do really like her in this role I think she's it's actually probably one of the funniest things I've seen her seen her as in this as as playing um an Anna Kendrick type because that's always who I imagine Anna Kendrick to be is that woman who she is actually playing um so I enjoyed that the problem as Jake said is the fact that it totally just shifts all the time I mean there's scenes that Anna Kendrick goes deep into her um backstory she's widowed that's i think that's revealed in the trailer and um, i'm not going to reveal exactly what happens but there's scenes scenes there where 
you I don't know if I'm supposed to be feeling sad for Anna Kendrick or if I'm supposed to be laughing at the ridiculous situation of what's or fit or feel a bit disgusted by it. Exactly. It just doesn't really sit right. And that's and that's very similar with um, the guy who plays Sean, who is Emily's husband. I never know what at what point in the film I'm supposed to hate him or like him. I don't know if that's just him acting, or I think it's probably the, the film's tonally. I don't know but where... But this also... But, the, but And see, this is the thing. Is some people might be hearing us say this and think, well, isn't that the mark of a really clever like thriller film? Like, Gone Girl, you felt like that. You didn't know when you were supposed to be confused or when you were supposed to feel like really freaked out or whatever. But the, the difference is, I felt uncomfortable throughout this film but not in a good way. Yeah. I didn't feel uncomfortable in a like, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen next. I felt uncomfortable in a, wait, have I missed something really important? Is it going to affect it later for me? Was that supposed to be entertaining? Uh, like, And I felt like some of the really serious stuff in the film, because it was trying to juggle this comedy, mummy, noir, thriller plot, some of the stuff that they talk about in the film, like there's an incestual narrative and all this kind of stuff, and it gets really fucking like, it it, it gets quite Black Mirror at points. Um, but I felt like I couldn't fully feel that emotion, or those revelations weren't really as kind of impactful as they maybe could have been, because two or three minutes later, uh, Anna Kendrick's rapping in her car, yeah, and like it, like I don't know, it was. It was it was just confusing, and I think it's it takes a lot to try and marry up this kind of comedy while also kind of dark thriller narrative, especially because it's based on a book, a best selling novel. Um, now I'd be I'd be very curious to know how funny the novel is, and how much of it was Paul Feig injecting humour into quite a serious plot. Well, I um, I can tell you some. Um, I I briefly looked it up, so and I haven't read the book, and I don't claim to. Uh, but from what it sounds like, it's a but got an unreli- the book has got an unreliable narrator. So as w- instead of with which the film has essentially you have everything ha- happening from Anna Kendrick's point of view mainly. Um, with the book, you hear from this character Stephanie, who is Anna Kendrick, Emily uh, Blake Lively, and Emily's husband Sean. Um, all three of these are sort of littered throughout the plot and you get different stories of what's happening, different perspective of what's happening at once. So it's, it kind of makes, it kind of makes it a bit more like a actual thriller. Um, and I think in the tone of it, I mean, I just looked at the cover and it's just, it looks actually quite frightening. I think it is not supposed to be a funny book. It's, I think it's supposed to have humour in it, but I don't think it's supposed to be a funny book. I think it's supposed to be shocking and twistful. And I don't think, I think this film was more of a comedy than it was a thriller. And, and as a comedy, I don't think it really worked either. There were some couple, No, I agree. There were some couple of funny moments. Um, I I don't know how you read the um, the mum characters, um, like and Andrew Reynolds characters of those sort of like mums bitching on the side. I quite enjoyed that. That all right, all right, so, all right. So here's all right. So here's my kind of in summary. I think we could agree that the plot kind of marrying the comedy and darkness didn't really work. No. Um, but more more so than that. I found myself kind of struggling with the with with the actors themselves because I thought that there were two fantastic performances in this film, one from Anna Kendrick and one from Blake Lively. Oh yeah. Now I I, I feel like like you they they're a great duo on screen. They're fascinating together, um, even if what they're fucking talking about is just rubbish. Um, Anna Kendrick, yeah, she the character she plays in this film is kind of how I imagine her being in real life. Oh yeah. Um, which, which, which in this environment was kind of interesting because I don't really watch her in a lot of things, and I mean, let's face it, if she's the person in Pitch Perfect in real life, then fucking weirdo. Um, so like, that was interesting, and I also thought Blake Lively. I don't really know her from anything, like. I, 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 you know, I know she's Ryan Reynolds' wife. I know that they've got that very funny Twitter repartee. I know her, like, from that kind of perspective, but I wouldn't be able to name, beyond that shark film she's in, I wouldn't be able to name, I wouldn't be able to name her from anything. And saying that, like, oh yeah, that girl from the shark film, like, that's, that's terrible. Um, but she is, like, she's very, very menacing here. And even if she's the only saving grace of the film, she does she does a bloody good job with what she's given definitely and i i do agree with some of the critics that say that 
she's really kind of turned out a decent role in this and that she could kind of go places in kind of dramatic fashion because she's fascinating, very funny and very intimidating in this role. Mm. And it's like, you know, I, I feel like it's probably the best she's acted in a long while. Um, I, you know, I can't, I can't say that for certain. Um, but then the other characters, right? So Sean, uh, the husband, the two kids, um, the the other mums at the school, one of which is a, a gay bloke. Um, I thought they were all fucking rubbish, mate. I thought I thought the acting was so forced. I thought it was so bad. I mean, you can only hate on the kids so much, but like. What annoyed me about Sean was he was the most. It was the most. I just felt like everything was so forced. I didn't feel like any of his acting was really genuine. I when it kind of concludes, like you know, I mean, minor spoiler. Kind of get round to it at the end, and he's not really the villain or not really a bad person. Um, I kind of I realised looking back that his bad act it, it was bad acting not him kind of being a bit mysterious for the sake of the plot mm-hmm. um and the the other mums i thought they were all quite funny but they just weren't given enough room to breathe in the plot they were introduced very early on and you weren't really sure if they were actually friends with anna kendrick's character you kind of got the impression that they didn't really like her and didn't really spend any time with her. And then towards the end of the plot, they kind of get suddenly thrown back into it after not really being in it for about an hour. Um, As like, not like saviours, but as kind of like, to a degree, they come to the rescue. Or at least one of them does. And while it's funny, like it's a really funny moment when one of them comes to the rescue for a, a reason later on in the film... I was kind of like, oh right, yeah, you're still in the film, mm. and then and then after it, I thought, wait, but like, you're not really friends with her, like, why, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they could have been really good characters if they were fleshed out more and if they were given more screen time. I mean, you don't know how much was axed from like the original cut. Maybe a lot of them got chopped out. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a long film. It's two hours long, so maybe there was a big call to chop bits out of this film. Yeah, and I'm happy. I'm kind of happy that they, even though their characters are not fleshed out, I'm kind of happy, happy that they were cut out to an extent because it meant that we spent more time with Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively. But you are so right about the guy, um, Henry Golding, who's the guy that plays Sean, um, the, the husband. He's just wooden in this film. Absolutely oh, yeah. would like. I don't know what uh, this was. The crux is at the end of the film. I felt sorry, even though I shouldn't have done for Blake Lively and the role that she did and I wanted Sean to take more of the blame and more of the responsibility yeah, just because yeah, he's a, yeah. just because he's a bad actor because Blake Lively I, also, I was like you're charismatic and great Sean was like like I like you're being you're being portrayed as a good guy but you just because you're so wooden as an, wooden, as, wooden as an actor in this film I don't want you to succeed and that's not how I should that, come out of it but, but that was another major problem I had with this film, right? These three key characters, right? By the end of the film, none of them are really perfect. They're all kind of despicable human beings to different degrees. Mm. They've all either, like, cheated on each other or maybe murdered someone or just been, like, general shitbags that try and steal another person's life. Like, none of them are nice people. And so by the end of the film, when it kind of concludes... And for, like, one or two of the characters, you know, spoiler alert, like, things end on a positive note. Um, it was it, it ended on this weird kind of comedy, everything's happy and everything's resolved tone. And I kind of, as the credits rolled, I kind of thought, wait, no, like, all of these people are despicable. Like, I wouldn't, I, I don't want there to be, like, a positive note for any of them. Like, I want there to be proper comeuppance for all of them because they're all fucking... They're at least, like, baseline weird. <laughs> like, What would you like, define as baseline weird? <laughs> I don't know, man. But, like... And, but this is a point I'm trying to make. Like, the heroine or whatever, Anna Kendrick's character, is a fucking weirdo. Yeah. And does some... Like, you find out she's done some weird stuff in the past that she hasn't really owned up to. And then you also kind of watch her kind of be shitty and disrespect the sanctity of marriage shall we say yeah and like she's just like that 
I don't know, man. I just I didn't feel like any of them deserved an applause. And the film kind of ends on this note of like so and so and so and so are happy and doing this, and so and so's doing this, and it's like, what? Like these aren't real people. Why are you giving me like a six months later? Like why can't it end with all of them kind of? I just wanted this based on the actions of the characters in the film. I wanted this to end for them all on a negative note. Yeah, and also the the film is the film is supposedly about motherhood and fatherhood. That the crux of it. That's what these people are. These people are in these mums clubs. These people are like interacting as mums with each other. And towards the later half of the film, the kids get forgotten about, and it all becomes about the adults. And I think as soon as that happens the film loses a bit of the heart behind it that originally carried me through, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, so, I th- so in conclusion, I think it was, a, I think there were some bits I laughed at. There were some bits that I sort of chuckled at. I re- There was the opening title sequence. I was like, oh, I'm getting excited. This is going to be a great film. Um, and then it just, it just, it just seemed a bit like they hadn't really thought of where, what direction the film was going to go in. Um, I feel bad for Blake Lively because I don't I don't know how well this film's going. It, it's going down quite well with critics. It's getting it's this is this is getting well received. This film this film's getting well received. Yeah, um, but I and it, with with particular credit to Kendrick and Lively, um, which I think is deserved. Um, I just. I mean, just don't buy a don't buy a ticket to go see this in the cinema. This is the kind of thing you can watch when it comes out on Now TV, and you're sitting there, and I don't know. You're you're sat there with family, or you're sat there with a girlfriend. Uh, I don't know. Maybe don't watch it with a girlfriend because like no, <laughs> this is the part- gonna, Like this is this is the film to like make you open up like reassess relationships, isn't it? This like, is a are film. You a psychopath that secretly yeah. done this, this, and this. Like this is a film for um that you watch at eleven o'clock in the evening, drunk after going to the pub, um when you come back from university and it's on film four. That's what that's yeah. what that's what it is. That's what it's, this it's is. A, a, this, right, this film has got so many um, comparisons to Gone Girl in terms of how it's shot and the feel and the, the plot. And critics have been picking up on that. In my opinion, it's a B-Tech Gone Girl with a bit of humour. Yeah. Um, maybe it will be a career boost for Kendrick and Lively. You know, I, if anything good's going to come out of it, I hope so. Uh, because I'd like to see them do more stuff as a result of this. It was the most interested I've been in watching an Anna Kendrick film. Oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah, and I was my expectations were surpassed by how good Blake Lively was at the role she was given. Um, but as as a film on its own, nah, pretty weak. Yep. B Tech Gone Girl. Interesting tidbit before we go to um, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Blake on May the first, twenty eighteen, Blake Lively deleted all pictures from her Instagram account in order to promote the film. How method do you need to be as an actress to delete all your pictures of your personal Instagram account as a celebrity as well, and also as the wife of Ryan Reynolds? And I know that Ryan Reynolds does a lot of these things for like Deadpool and stuff, but that's it's there's not exactly going to be a simple favour for, is there? Well, I mean, what was the point of her deleting all of them? So that she could promote the film by posting pictures of the her on set with the film, and her on set. Oh uh, right, yeah. Oh. Imagine doing that. I thought I, a cut, mate. A caller touch, which is what I thought you were saying, could be the essentially the whole plot of the film is that Emily disappears. Um, Blake Lively deletes all of her social media and just fucking disappears. Oh well, that would be awesome. That would have been more interesting. They should get me on the marketing. For <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Should we go on to uh, critic quote awards? What have you got for your best description, mate? Jake, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've cheated. I haven't cheated actually. Uh, my best description is also my most savage. I know that's right, okay. Uh, just because I think it summed up what I thought of the film, but I also thought it was quite savage. Um, it, this is from Johnny Oleski. Oh, I've done it wrong again. Johnny Oleskinski from the New York Post, um, who said. It's a lot of fun until it becomes a mystery th- thriller so convoluted and tonally wacky, Angela Lansbury would have quit in a huff. <gasps> Mate, you've only gone and stolen my most savage quote of the week. No! Oh, this is the first time it's happened. No, it happened in episode three, I used. Didn't I use John Oleskinski in the last episode? Yeah, I, I think, think I you did. did. Yeah. 
Yeah, it rings a bell. All right, well, well, I mean, thanks, Will. That's that's Will's best description and my most savage. Um, <laughs> my my best description of a simple favour comes from Sean Burns, and I forgot to write down where Sean Burns writes for. So oh, currently, Jake. it's just from Sean Burns. Thank you, Sean Burns. Um, he said, "Not funny enough to pass the satire, yet too snarky to provide any genuine chills." Yeah. The movie exists in a half kidding limbo, with none of the performers on the same page. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's fair. I feel like the lead actors were pitched different things for this movie and had different uh, opinions of where it should go. Mm-hmm. And Sean um, and Smith, or whatever his, the, the guy's name was, was Wooden. Exactly. Yeah. Do you have a best moment? Do you have a favourite moment? I do. Uh, what I lo- I think. I think it was the moment that I had the most visceral reaction in the cinema was when Anna Kendrick is cleaning out um, Blake Lively's closet. I'm just going to call them by their real names, not their character names. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's this like like music montage going on and she's sort of dancing. She's cleaning out these things. uh, And she's moving in. in, She's moving into Emily's house, basically. Exactly. And then she goes back into the closet and the closet is perfectly as it was before she'd moved in with all of Emily's clothes there. I like that scene. I thought it was... I was like, ooh, wow. And then it sort of dipped from there, I think. That was when... I think that was my peak interest point, was that point, maybe. Yeah, that was that, that was quite quite a good bit. I also... Um, I just think the, the opening, kind of the introduction of Emily and her kind of stepping out of the car in the rain with, like, the umbrella tipped over so you can't quite see her face and all that, I thought that was really cool. And then just, like, the actual throughout the film the best bits were the conversations over martinis that anna kendrick and blake lively have definitely which get which get very very intimidating very very personal and kind of lay the bread bread breadcrumbs for the rest of the plot um they're the best moments where the two of them are on screen together but it's just the two of them not including sean the husband or the kids when it's literally the two of them, I think that's where the film really shines. I think it's fascinating. I agree. Um, sadly, the rest of it doesn't hold up in comparison. Um, what would you rate it out of 10, mate? I am going to rate it a solid five. Um, I okay. think um, I think it's not bad. I think it's not good. I think it's right down the middle. I think it's um, you can eat popcorn to it. You can get an, I can get an Odeon hot dog for twenty percent off with my limitless card <laughs> to it. Um, Shout out Odeon limitless. Yeah, indeed. Uh, okay, so five, yeah. Yes, five. See so what you you think the film's saving graces were. Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively in those scenes with Margaritas. I liked some of the twists and turns, but I also found most of them problematic. And then the tone really annoyed me. I was going to put it on the same vibe as Predator because Predator we rated last week and I rated it a six and you rated it a 5.5. But I just came out thinking I enjoyed the Predator so much more. Yeah, no, that may, it, it, compared to this, I, I gained a lot more from watching the Predator and I had a lot more fun. Um, which is why I'm giving this a four, um, because I, I I just don't I don't think it's very good. Um, I didn't really enjoy it. I was confused and frustrated most of the way through, but there were some glimmers um, in the performances of Kendrick and Blake Lively, and I yeah I, I thought that they were really great. Kendrick Lamar's in the film. Sorry, that was just a bad <laughs> yeah. I knew I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I just think they were brilliant, but they weren't directed very well. Um, and I feel like if they weren't trying so hard to work this into a comedy based around an already established novel, um, if they did an original story of like a psychopath wife with Anna Kendrick and Blake Lively, it probably would have been better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have no idea who's going to write that for them. Yeah. So. And I think Gone Girl was one of my favourite films and any it was getting comparisons to Gone Girl and that's what made me quite excited about it. And it's just not touching it. It just doesn't no, touch it. No, it's not. It, it is a B-Tech Gone Girl. That's what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that that concludes uh, week 17 of the 52-week film project. Now, Will, we haven't discussed... I mean, me and Will were kind of working out our October schedule uh, yesterday because there are... Aside from us going to the London London Film Festival, as we've as we mentioned last episode, Woo-woo! there are a there are a boatload of films coming out in October. Um, it, around the start, we've got uh, A Star Is Born, the new film with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Um, we've also got the Venom film, which you know I'm not 
expecting much from, but as it's getting closer and closer and it's a Spider-Man related film, I am getting quite interested. I'm getting excited. Uh, I just hope that that rug is not like whipped from underneath me when we go and see it. Um, around October 12th, we have Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh. We have we have First Man, which is the Ryan Gosling, Claire Foy, Neil Armstrong epic, which me and Will are hopefully, I haven't discussed this with him, we're hopefully going to go and see in the IMAX in London because some of the film was shot with IMAX cameras. Uh, so what better film to go and see in that way? Yeah, I cried to the trailer of that today. That was how... So- oh, mate, it's, mate it's amazing. It is so good. And it's directed by Damien Chazelle, who did Whiplash and La La Land. So we're in safe hands, basically. Claire Foy looks um, fantastic in it. Yeah, she does. She does. What a great thing for her to go on to after just having the success of The Crown. Like, she hasn't exactly. dipped. She's, she's taken something different enough that she'll do well in. Um... We also have Smallfoot, which is the new animated movie about a uh, colony of yetis that befriend a, a human or something like that. I don't know. It looks fun. Um, sounds good. We have Halloween, the Halloween uh, sequel, uh, which should be really, really entertaining, really scary. Bohemian Rhapsody. And then Slaughterhouse Rules, which is the Simon Pegg, Nick Frost film. Uh, the next one to come out, which comes out around Halloween. So October is jam-packed. Um, however, Will, we haven't decided on something for next week, mate. I don't know if you've got any films that you want to go and see. There's not really anything in the cinema that I'm particularly fussed about. No. You, no, we could. what we could do is find another Netflix release like you never really hear. Um, like, I think that's because that was a really... I, I loved doing that episode and just finding a yeah, film. Yeah, definitely. We could, we, could, um, we could see if we could find another film coming out, a Netflix original film. We'll see if there's any coming out next week. Um, the other thing that I was going to suggest, though... Um, is we could, over the next week, watch Maniac Season 1 and <gasps> do and do a 52-week television review. We could review Season 1 of Maniac. I can see Will dancing in the little Skype bubble. Oh, I would love screen. to do that. I would so I absolutely think, I think... <laughs> love to do that. So I think that's a, I think that's a yes from Will. Yeah, so, that's what uh, we're doing. Yeah, you heard it here first, did... folks. That's what we're doing true believers i i can confirm that is what we will do next week we will we'll watch maniac season one over the next week and then we'll give it a comprehensive spoiler full review nice I one think. stanley nice it's one probably stanley. the best way of doing it um and so with that we will see you next week thank you very much please follow us on instagram 52 week film project on facebook as well um leave us a review on itunes if you can that'd be great um thank you very much will thank you very much jake and we will see you all next week.